It's Monday, and that means a new episode of Cosmic Crit. Yeah, I know, I'm working on a song for later in the season. I just haven't gotten to it yet because times have been a little busy. Hi, everybody. Drew here to talk to you guys about a couple of little bits of information, namely, the fan challenge for April has winners. Yes, Bumfuzzle is going to have a ton of new trick attacks at his disposal thanks to a few people namely our winners phoenix havoc james w and clueless clue uh with some truly fantastic uh uh, fantastic trick attacks like uh, you know what i can't tell you because then it would ruin the surprise when they actually come up in the episodes and i can promise you at least one of these has already come up in an episode since the last time we recorded. Now, our fan challenge for May is still going on. It's Monster Mayhem, so that you can design a monster that will feature in an episode of the show. The rules are all available on our website. You can also check them out on Discord. If you have any monster ideas you want to bounce off of folks, get some help with it, of course, you can check it out there. Beyond that, uh, you guys know we have a fun Patreon, uh, that patreon.com slash cosmic crit. And part of that is we do a monthly stream. Well, our stream is coming up this week. That's right. This Thursday, May 23rd at some time in the evening. I believe it's 9 p.m. Eastern, but that time may, uh, may get fudged a little bit. It might be 930. T- things change, schedules change, but the easiest way to find it is, of course, going to our Discord, our Cosmic Crit Discord, and finding out all the information, all the announcements. Of course, we are also going to post that stuff on Twitter and Facebook as well. And of course, follow us at twitch.tv slash Cosmic Crit, and you can come hang out with us on Thursday. We are going to be playing some fun games together, and we definitely need some audience participation to help vote on some things. Uh, I don't want to say too much because I I know we've got a a better announcement than me uh, coming up for that. So that about rounds it up for me today. In the meantime, we join our crew back in action. Cosmic Crit episode 85, The The Royal Royal Venture Venture Brothers. Episode commencing in three, two, one. Episode initiated. When the crits roll, we'll roll them together. Told you I'd be your GM forever. We'll always be friends. Made a podcast. I'm going to stick it out to the end. Now that the crit fails are falling together, know that we'll still have a re-roll with each other. Greetings, Crittermanders and Starfinders. This is Patrick, a.k.a. The GM here, and I want to take you all away, so please don't stop the music as we dive into another week of Cosmic Crit. Joining me tonight, standing under my umbrella, Ella, A-A-A, are my five friends and your good girls gone bad. To my right, oh na na na, what's his name, what's his name? It's Tyler playing Nikithi and his droneitis. Yay, you got my name right. <laughs> have, I, have I been saying Teeler all this time? You, you didn't know? We've been <laughs> recording this for a podcast. How did you not hear it? To his right, she doesn't shine bright like a diamond. She darkens like a black cloud. It's Rebecca rocking Talara. Hello. Across the digital table. He's only sorry because he got caught in a bear trap. It smiles with a win. Good evening. To his right, he found love in a hopeless place. The Arquin family's bathtub. It's Shabert bringing bumfuzzle. Patrick, you make me feel like the only girl in the world. 
<laughs> to my left, thank you. Uh, uh, he's willing to put in the time to make his entropic strikes work, 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 work. It's Drew running with Kaz. <laughs> the movie Battleship. Oh boy, Drew. Yeah. Just bring up the worst possible thing. You are the new Tyler here. <laughs> 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 I would have also uh, accepted uh, Valerian and the World of a Thousand Planets. Oh, I forgot she was in that. A much yeah. better movie. <laughs> better movie, yeah. They, they didn't. I still haven't seen it. I need to. Didn't do good. It's usually it's awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. I will. I will say that. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's one of those things that's like it's a sci-fi treat, even if the acting is kind of. Um, I recommend by no one. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend our. Um, what, what do you mean written by no one? I mean, like it feel, felt like no one wrote it. <laughs> like it was a oh. bad script. <laughs> oh, oh, it's based on a, a comic book uh, right. originally. But yes, I agree. It's um, it's good stuff for Starfinder inspiration because they got some some great weird aliens in it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dope ideas in that film. It's a French comic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by Mobius, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, hey guys, how are you doing? We, we're going on on into a whole nother conversation. I forgot we're recording a podcast right now. That's right. Uh, well, yeah. a different podcast than a conversation would no- have been on. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's spend this entire hour <laughs> talking about failed sci fi movies and their original source material. <laughs> um, how, how are you doing? Uh, oh boy, uh, before we started recording, I was coughing up a storm, but I got a, got a nice little throat lozenge and I mean, your second wind. Yeah, no, this honey and lemon's doing me right. Nice. Well, we don't we don't have to pretend like we're friends outside this podcast. We can just get to the game <laughs> as well. That's what I'm here for. Oh, good, good, Rebecca. I'm not here to make <laughs> friends. It's like I don't need friends. <laughs> Remember when we used to hang out outside of Cosmic Crit? Nope, it's never happened. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, so let's get back into it um, and a little refresher for ourselves and our listeners. What happened last time on Cosmic Crit? We gathered around the door to the comm center and busted in the door ready for a fight. Standing in our way and ready for combat were two Islanti soldiers. When Talara turns the lights out, Bumfuzzle and the Islanti soldiers crank the strobe lights, Wind does some fire spinning, Nikithi gets the lasers going, and Kaz drops the beat down. Best rave ever. To free the mayor and other captured colonists, the crew goes up against their biggest threat yet, a three-foot-tall desk. After a master-at-arms Olaraha taunts some unsavory things in Wind's direction, the blue bear bursts his head open like a melon with his junk sensor. The crew makes it to the brig to find a bunch of colonists, including Mayor Madelon, but Sedona is in another castle. I'll tell you what I dislike is level two PCs in, in this last game. Seeing you guys work as a team and stop me from killing Drew. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like it at all. Um, had uh, some interesting crit hit, uh, a good crit fail. Um, so we used a reroll last game. A lot of, a lot of stuff happened. Um, so this episode begins as you all are making your way out of the Islanti garrison here at the, the center of Madelon's Landing. The prisoners you freed walk alongside you all. The, the wizened old Lashuntan Mayor Madelon kind of limping on his staff. And you see a, a Sheeran Colness help support their human neighbor and as soon as you open the uh, doors 
to the the outside you hear gunshots uh, in the distance through the fog screaming the sounds of hobgars destroying electronics across the colony but these gunshots are not all the sharp retorts of pacification rifles that the Atlanta use because uh, you also hear some small arms fire from a number of different weapons through the mist, Gariah Lee comes running up to your group. Uh, she's carrying an Aslanti rifle and sporting a huge wound along the side of her head. And she says, we got the Aslanti on the run. We're taking back the city. Mayor Madelon moves up to her and starts to tend her wounds. What, what are you all doing at this time? I do not know if Madelon's landing qualifies as a city, maybe a village or small enclave. <laughs> so being pedantic, that's good. <laughs> the metropolis of Madelon's Landing. <laughs> a giant skyscraper-filled uh, capital. I, I think we want to get them, the colonists, uh, to somewhere safe. Clearly, out in the out, the, out in the open is not safe. Should we take them back to Ibretas? Well, you, you didn't hear her. That they're taking out the Aslanti occupation, uh, and it sounds like the entire city after you've stormed the garrison, are now fighting back. So as, as you walk forward, you see um, down one side street, a group of colonists just in a circle around a, an Aslanti soldier that's on the ground, and they're just pummeling him with kicks. And further down the street by his house, you see Weldus Arquin uh, by himself just going to town on an Aslanti drone with uh, what looks like a, like a sporting bat, <laughs> just cracking it open. Um Great. So can we arm these colonists and get them out there fighting? Yeah, yeah. And you can move around, help out where need be. It's only a few minutes, uh, you know, as you're spreading out along the the town, that gunfire kind of falls silent. And about 10 or so minutes later, you can hear from all over uh, colonists kind of shouting. There's they're singing, people calling out names and everyone just kind of converges uh, around you near the city's center, near the, the Hobgar trap, um, the, the warehouse. And uh, as you walk over there, you see they've strung up one of the dead Aslanti kind of hanging upside down from the Hobgar trap's pole. And there are nearly a hundred people here kind of celebrating out in the town center. They're, every once in a while, they're <laughs> shooting like a gun up in the air in celebration. Um, yeah, it seems it seems like there are no more Aslanti in, in Madelon's landing. Hooray! You guys did it. Good work, team. You really did awesome. it. Wind just roars in triumph. <laughs> uh, there, there are a few kids that come out and they're just like uh, patting you and kind of ra- wrapping arms around each of one of your legs. When oh, he 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 gets on his his back for some belly rubs. Uh, weird. The <laughs> but the rest of the town is is hugging one another. Also, it's very uh, very happy. They they start bringing out. Um, what meager food supplies, drink they have. Um, you see them set up a, a couple of tables and chairs where um, they're they're tending to wounds. Uh, you see uh, Fena Iani as well there. A few colonists uh, you see bring out musical instruments. They begin to play, and all of a sudden, it is it's like a party. It's a, it's a full on celebration. Multiple colonists begin shouting. And kind of uh, repeating down with the Aslanti, Madelon's landing is here to stay. I've got a thing that I would like to do. Uh, if somebody would like to join me, I'm going to go back to the ship and then bring it over here uh, a little bit closer to the town and unload the supplies and really get this party going. 
<laughs> well, the the building still exists in the the landing zone. There's there's nowhere large enough still. Um, you can try and find a location closer to to the city, but that'll be um, that'll take some time to do. That'll be a few hours. Yeah, uh, I'll just land it on top of the garrison. That's fine. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> perch a gun precariously. Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing bad could happen there. That sounds <laughs> actually that sounds like a goblin move. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but the celebrations continue on, and Bumfuzzle, if you are trying to get away, Ibretta finds you um, in the, the celebration and introduces you to uh, an older man you've not seen before. Uh, near 70, um, dark skin, uh, grain hair. He has bad burn marks over his left hand, left side of his face and neck. And Ibretta says, uh, this here is Ludver Kresk, a real son of a duve, but outside me, he's a the only other real skilled engineer here helped me get the moisture collectors online uh, when we landed. Anyway, he wanted to say thank you, Bumfuzzle. Ah, well, greetings, Ludvarv. What was it? Ludvar. Uh, Ludvar. She she offers. He he kind of nods and takes out a, a data pad and writes on it for a moment before flipping it around to you and in just a, a note um, application. It reads, "We can't thank you enough. You need anything from me? I'm happy to help." Ah, but of course, I'm just glad this isn't a bill for damages. Abreta chuckles and says, uh, uh, Ludvar here lost his voice uh, a few years back in an accident and recently lost his voice box uh, a few weeks ago to a, a dang Hobgar. Ah, I understand. They can be uh, quite vicious indeed. Ah, I'm sorry that we loosed a whole a whole heap of them here in your town. <laughs> Uh, he writes some more on his data pad and, and shows it to you, and it reads, Hobgars are literally the worst. Aye, mm. <laughs> aye, they are. <laughs> well, I will, I will indeed keep your services in mind, sir. Should, uh, should the need arise, I will call on you indeed. Um, you're, like, about to turn around when you kind of, like, have a, a flash of insight, as you remember when you were up near the top of the Hobgard cage, seeing some kind of of item inside, perhaps a technological item. Would you like to shimmy back up that pole now and take a look? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can take 10 on this. It's yeah. Pretty, pretty easy. People see you climbing and they're like, goblin, goblin, goblin. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're going to jump off or something and launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a 16. That'd be a 16 if I take 10. Get up yeah. there. there. There are um, rungs on each side of it, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. You you climb past the Atlante body that's kind of strung up like a pinata, and inside uh, you see a small figure, and it's not a piece of tech you see, but what looks to be an infant Hobgar huddled <gasps> towards the back of the cage. It's back towards you. Ah, I see. Ah, uh, is it? Does it live? Um, you see it's kind of back rising and slow, uh, slowly falling back down. Ha. Huh. Well, I will, uh, I, I, I sort of like look around and I, I sort of make a big show out of like, out of like, like, yeah, I climbed to the top. I'm the best. And then I sort of, uh, I, I imagine that, uh, that, uh, infant Hobgar is quite small, like maybe about the size of my hand or something. It's like a little baby kitten. Yeah. 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 And I'll, I'll, I'm going to put that in my vest. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm at the top of the pole. Hey! Stuff, stuff, stuff. <laughs> I mean, you're like 30 feet up. I don't think anyone can see if you're trying to be uh, quiet about it. But um, as you kind of drag it across, it gives little resistance, 
but you, it, it, it seems most of the resistance is it's hanging on to indeed a, a very small uh, tech device, which you recognize as a highly sophisticated voice box. Ah, oh, oh, this is what I remember. Not the infant hobgoblin. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you saw something up here, but you maybe thought it was part of the cage at the time. Right, right. Well, I'll, I pick them both up. I, I pick them up with up. I won't separate them just yet, but I'm going to put the little infant hobgar in my in my pocket um, and uh, with the voice box and uh, and then climb back down and uh, uh, sort of as the festivities are going are going on. Is this thing big enough to like survive in the wild right now, or is it like absolutely not? It is completely defenseless. As okay. when you touch it, it tries to do you know an electrical discharge attack, and it's more akin to what you would get from rubbing your feet on a carpet. <laughs> I see. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give it a battery to suck on, and then um, um, try to replace that with the replace the voice box with that, and then. Um, then sort of like nestle it into my pocket with like probably the one with like the pocket that has lots of leaves in it. So it's so nice and cushiony. Oh, wait, do you just collect leaves? Or I mean, <laughs> you never know. I never know when I'm going to need leaves. Wait, are um, you going to offer the voice box guy that needs a voice box? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to wash it first, but like, okay. yeah. <laughs> I thought so, you yeah. were Supporting the voice box, even though you just met a guy who could really if, use what, that. What if, what if I lose my voice? I'm gonna want this. <laughs> yeah, jeez, Louise. Yeah. So, so I will. Uh, when it rains. So, uh, walking through the festivities, sort of gingerly avoiding people on my right hand side. Uh, I'm sort of looking up and trying to. It's you know, it's hard to see where people are with all these tall people around. But uh, so I search around for a little bit until I find uh, Ludvar. Ludvar Kresk. Yeah. Ludvar Kresk. It's it's a medium person's world for a small creature. <laughs> I'm just a small go- a small space goblin in a medium person's world. Um yeah, it's it's a, a few moments later when you you find him, you can hand over the the voice box and uh do you, do you want to help with the the installation? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll rub it on my shirt first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like something he's Feral. done before, but he's got kind of, you know, um, it's it's hard to see when like you know on your throat yeah <laughs> but yeah no it, it plugs right in uh, it, it was specifically designed for kind of like the the shape of his throat he does a few vocal tests you know um hums a few bars as it were and then says in his own just slightly digitized voice oh thanks partner uh letting them hobgars out probably save this little piece of tech I usually run the trap out of town a few times a week and let the little guys scamper off, load them up on one of my hover trikes, send them out back into the jungle to their their tribes. Ah, so so how did they get a hold of your voice box then? Well, I I, I fall asleep every once in a while on the job, and they'll sneak in and, and take anything not nailed down. Ah, I see. So just to be clear, you you didn't fall asleep on top of the pole. That'd be mighty uncomfortable. I imagine it would, <laughs> but like, ah, uh, but if, if so, I need to. We need to study athletics together, sir. I uh, I work out of the stable, uh, east side of town. Uh, if you and your crew need anything, you just let me know. Uh, you know, it's a a garage for for the trikes. Indeed. Uh, uh, were you indeed wanting to go back to the the ship? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, 
Ah, uh, sir, if I if I could, uh, a track might be helpful indeed in getting the remaining supplies here to the to the colony. After all, that's what we were uh, contracted to do. Yes. Um, you know, he he'll talk with you for a bit and uh, says a few things to Ibretta and and Madelon. Um, but uh, he comes back over and says, "Yeah, you know, it'll be hard to pull some of the youngins away from um the, this party here, but." I better let them know it's going to be going on uh, all night. Uh, if you want to take uh, a couple of lads out with uh, the trikes and, and load them up, um, I'm sure people will be pretty darn happy. Got lots of good hooch in, in the shipment. Indeed you do, sir. <laughs> I didn't drink it all on the way here. <laughs> right, right. And there's still a third of it left. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they, they set that up and, uh, you know, he... Uh, he does that thing in the movies where you're already on top of the hover truck and he right. tosses you uh, the keys. And it's like, bring it back in one piece, goblin. All right, I, I do a wheelie out of there <laughs> <laughs> on a hover truck. Uh, I, I do a I, no wheelie. I, I, I do like a, a backy, I guess, where like I just scrape the back as I'm as I'm going away. Um, right. So you are you are off. Wee. Um. The celebration indeed lasts for multiple hours into the night. They set up a, a large kind of uh, fire pit in the, in the middle of town, bring out generator lights um, to illuminate the, the town's center. Um, let's see. Um, when I, I Bretta comes up to you and uh, and says, uh, you, you all did it. I, I don't know how we're all standing, but you all managed to, to beat back these dang Zlanty. Well, we try to make good on our promises. Oh, I'll say. You all just rolled into town a few days ago, starship residue behind your ears, and whipped the dang Star Empire. <laughs> uh, imagine you're all pretty dang pleased with yourselves, uh, and you with your crew, of course. I couldn't be prouder. Especially towards the end, we really came through like a team. <laughs> once, we, once we got to level two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, hey, details, details. <laughs> When you also see Weldus Arquin uh, roaming around the festivities uh, with uh, a half-empty uh, bottle of, of synthetic alcohol, and he kind of locks eyes with you and, and says, "You're you're a weird, tall, fuzzy creature, but you all saved my life." <clears throat> uh, I think you might have had enough there, son. Tell your friend. He could sleep in my bathtub. I got a blanket and pillow and everything in there for him. Are you, are you referring to the goblin? Whoever. Probably not you, but, you know, the other people can. So when is just going to, like, kind of carefully just kind of yoink his bottle away from him? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, uh, uh, you all see a few um, colonists bringing out um, Korska, Wel Weldis, uh, his mom, and... Um, uh, Jellic Folson, they bring him out on, on stretchers and, and you watch as um, uh, Dr. Uh, Iani and, and Mayor Madelon kind of lay hands on them and um, and apply some bandages. And you see the wounds in Jellic's abdomen kind of healing up a little more properly where he was nearly executed earlier. Um, uh, you then see Jellic offer up his, his cred stick and the, the colony's administrator kind of places it into his staff and a little receipt prints off the top. After he's done, Mayor Madelon sees you. Talara kind of moves up to you. What, what's Talara doing in the, the parte? 
Uh, I think she's having a good time. She's probably uh, partaking in some libations. Yeah, why not, right? You get a demon, and you get a demon. Just some of them left. So many spells left. Uh, do you have spells left? That'd be hilarious. I have two, so yeah, I could summon some demons. <laughs> Who wants Couple. to see a demon for a few seconds? <laughs> I could summon a water elemental for a mixer. Oh my goodness! Go with the whiskey. <laughs> He's like screaming in Aquin, like please no. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mayor Madelon. Uh, chats you up and and says uh, my girl are are you injured uh did did you make it out of there okay yeah we did pretty well don't you think i would say so you should get a commendation uh but it, as abadar teaches us we must make the most out of what we're given to make profits to maximize that which is possible in the world you, do you feel like you're maximizing your potential yeah i could maximize my profits a little more but to tell you the truth, don't spread this around. I, I trust you, Madelon. I kind of feel something for the underdog. I, I, it's been kind of fun working for, for these colonists. I've got a soft spot for them. And, and we for you. <laughs> he, he starts talking about Abadar more. He seems to be proselytizing a bit. And as he pontificates, you see across the uh, the square here through the festivities, very quietly, Ibretta just leaning down at the side of, of Jellic and uh, the two of them talk for just a moment and then begin to hold hands and um, yep, not really saying anything, just kind of sharing the uh, the moment with, with one another watching as everyone else celebrates this, this might send you back a bit into, into your memories just before you met Sedona, something we saw briefly uh, when, we, when we met Talara, but you're back in a, a pack stewards interrogation room, still sporting some wounds from from combat cuts and bruises and the like, and you have a, a bandage laser blast that kind of grazed a leg, and you're sitting there just kind of hunched over the desk. This pendant around your neck droops and and swings slowly forwards and back, and it seems like an eternity before the door suddenly opens and a female pack officer comes in and gives you a a probably fairly practiced. Speech. My name is Depordra Ivosko. Listen, we caught you red-handed in that gang shootout, so this is more a matter of professional courtesy. I could have you shipped off for sentencing in a heartbeat and clear my schedule for the rest of the day, but I had a feeling that this conflict was a little more complicated than that. Am I right? Now, you're a smart-looking woman. You wouldn't be running with the Parsil crew, or the Northern Alliance, so my guess is you're just the middlewoman type. Well, whether you're a courier, or smuggler, or whatever you call yourself, both you and I know that it's a hard line of work for a loner. If you want to live a long life, or at least retire with all your limbs, then maybe it's time you consider a new job, or at least getting some backup when you're dealing with mobsters like these. That's just one steward's opinion, of course. I've seen your type before, chip on your shoulders so big it's in multiple space squadrons. I have seen a number of women like us left for dead because we were too stubborn to let somebody else in. Still, if you're ready to talk, my door is open. But I warn you it's closing fast. If you want to flip on either side and turn pack council witness, I can get you out of this life. Maybe give you bare minimum time in a cushy prison cell. I'll let you talk it over with your council, before letting me know what direction you want the rest of your life to take. 
I hope we understand each other, Talara. Uh, you you kind of shake that memory away. Uh, Rebecca, what, what is Talara thinking about? Um, what was it like for her when she was a pirate? Uh, not great, not great. She she has a lot of painful memories from her time um, as a pirate, um, especially as she was leaving. And she, she works for herself or has up to this point. This is really the first time that she's worked as a team in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, this has been sort of an emotional experience, I suspect, for her, um, thinking back on the fact that uh, she was never accepted uh, before uh, and to be thrown in this group where nobody has really, really questioned her. Uh, at least uh, she hasn't been shown the disdain that she would have expected. So, um, I mean, you're you're kind of the least weird person in this party. So they can't really ostracize you for <laughs> for horns and red skin and things like that. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Talara has a tendency to kind of ostracize herself, though. So hmm. um, I think her her attitude can be off putting to people and. Uh, so it's it's probably kind of throwing her off that people aren't necessarily treating her in the way that uh, she would have expected. So yeah, even even the the colonists here now that you're seeing tons of new faces, um, they uh, they come up and they'll they'll shake your hand and, and kind of give you those you know one pat side hugs. <laughs> uh, how do you think she's adjusting to to the rest of the crew? I, I think she I think she hates to admit it to herself, but kind of likes them. Um, I think she she really likes Idis and Nikithi by proxy. I, think. I was about to say that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, <laughs> loving the robot dog. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's natural, especially if you're if you're not uh, one to make human connections very often. Um, but uh, no, I think she's she's got a, a lot of respect for them, despite the fact that she may not always show that. I think she's she's still got her guards up, but um, yeah, ha- definitely has a soft spot for uh, her crew um, and also for the colonists. Like I like I said to the mayor. Um, yeah, so he'll he'll chat you up as long as you want. Um, you can politely excuse yourself whenever you like. Just imagine uh, me talking to you for like an hour or two at a party. It would get old pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that's nice and all. Um, I'll check out the Abadar, whatever. Um, some other time. I'm I'm gonna go over here. Uh, by the fire. See you later. He has so many pamphlets and brochures, uh, <laughs> of like Abadar core timeshares to uh, to sell you on. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, he's like, I can get you a nice shipping container on on the other side of the colony. As you move away from him, you all uh, watch. Um, as the colonists kind of set to pick through the garrison, you see them stripping it of confiscated weapons and tech, bringing it outside. Uh, you also see many of them tear down the propaganda posters off the walls and just kind of chuck them into the uh, now massive bonfire kind of towards the center of this jubilee. Um, they give you all pick from the weapons and you guys can do like a, a little gun show table. Uh, <laughs> folks will come up to you and kind of exchange credits and, and, and hand over UPBs thanking you for your, your help. Uh, Bumfuzzle comes back with with multiple supplies a few hours later and uh, uh, everyone sets to kind of unpacking them. And um, uh, there's like a, an ant chain that loads them into the, the warehouse. I made sure to bring back all the steel slats first. Wee party. Steel slats. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I imagine they need, you know, steel for construction and stuff like that. And so, and if you're, if you, if you want to get down with a party with bum fuzzle, there's going to be some construction involved. Okay. So it's like, let's raise a barn. Yay. Right. <laughs> That's how the Amish do it. <clears throat> uh, we move uh, a little while later inside the garrison and Kaz, uh, we see you kind of walking through the, uh, the now artificially lit hallways here while everyone else is outside carousing, singing songs. And uh, we see Kaz just kind of mindlessly walking through the, the barracks, these neatly arranged rows of, of beds and trunks. I don't even think you guys got to explore this when we went through the garrison the first time. But now that the townsfolk of Madelon's Landing have ransacked the uh, the private footlockers and, and beds, of the Islanti and left these trunks with their, their hinged lids open. Kaza, as you're walking past them, you kind of feel a, a shiver rising up your, your spine and you bend down to pick up uh, one of the lids of these trunks and, and slowly close it. The left lid has the green insignia of the, the Star Empire, one you've seen marked on, on countless pieces of Islanti armor and weapons you've, you've come across during the, the occupation. But as your right hand moves across the raised symbol on the the hinged lid, you feel electricity running through your veins, like your innate danger sense, your body kind of reacting as if you were bracing for a hit. And you recognize it as the the mystic energy of the vanguards ready to surround and defend your body. Whereas you flip this lid closed, you see another sigil here, another Islanti sigil. And all at once the feeling kind of dissipates. Um, This sigil is more ornate and delicately sketched. It seems familiar. Uh, your mind races to a few brief flashes of memories you you have before Sedona found your nearly dead body. And we're back in, in time, back in your memories. And we find ourselves in a nearly identical set of barracks like this one here in the garrison, but much longer. You could see it probably hold a hundred Islanti. And you're looking at the same kind of style footlocker, the same house markings on the right side. And you know that this is the, the symbol of House Ulavestra. You see kind of flashes of different Islanti faces, other soldiers. And then all at once, a calming and clearing feeling uh, overcomes you as, as the voice of your Kasothan master once more enters your mind. And this is very much like a uh, a mind meld between the two of you. It seems like there's some kind of interruption whenever you're you're racing back in your memories. And Master Joran says, "Let these memories go. They are but impediments to your true training. Divergent paths that lead to untruths. Clouds for your judgment." Um, th- this happens a good deal once you kind of think back before Sedona. Um, and you know you've, in your training, done a lot of mental kind of sharpening of your mind and things like that with Master Joran. And towards the beginning of that training, a lot of it was just calming your rage, calming like the, the, the things inside of you that make you want to kind of go off the, the rails. <laughs> go off, you know, uh, I, I imagine Kaz isn't very hot under the, the collar. They seem like a pretty relaxed dude. I think he tries to, but uh, as we've seen, when when things don't go his way in combat, he gets a little angry and and somehow at times takes it out on <laughs> on the enemy and sometimes on himself. 
is being the the best in combat very important to Kaz? I, I think it's not necessarily being the best in combat, but not not looking a fool, not looking like he doesn't know what he's doing. That that he is trained, and and to make a, a simple mistake seems beneath him. Most of what Master um, Joran kind of trained you on was. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of physical training, but the ability to um, shake pain away from your mind, I think that is what makes up a lot of Kaz's constitution score. <laughs> is just, like mental fortitude that you can take punishment. That's kind of what SP is um, in this game. It's just like shaking off, getting shot. Uh, yeah, so... Um, all of a sudden you open your eyes, you're, you're back on the condis. You can smell the, the campfire outside and your right hand is uh, clutching the lid of the trunk so tightly. And there's like little acid etched a handprint from, from where you're holding it. And standing in the doorframe behind you is none other than Nikithi Berendir with Ida slowly undulating uh, next to him, kind of giving the appearance that it's breathing but just moving back and forth. How are you, Tyler? Oh, I am doing great. Thanks, Patrick. How is Nikithi during these c- celebratory times? Uh, he's he's upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has spent the majority of time back in the comm center in the garrison. He is impatient. He wants to go after the. Uh, he wants to go after Lieutenant Sharu immediately. He mm-hmm. he thinks these festivities are a waste of time and resources. Uh, this rune drive gambit or this rune drive (laughs) please don't reference the third book sorry (laughs) this rune drive that uh we kind of got some information on is concerning him greatly it weighs on him extremely heavily and he is desperate to make sure that the information that that technology doesn't make it off this planet do you voice that to ibretta and and mayor madelon at this time are you, are you uh, telling them like I need to? Yeah, it would have been like the first thing he wanted to talk about when when the city was secured. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, they're they're obviously like the the first thing they they take a lot of time making sure everyone's okay, and then you know doing some accounting for people, see who has died since, and things like that. But uh, at, eventually, you know, you, you can go up to them and make your case, and they indeed do call a meeting and ask you to go find. Uh, everyone including Kaz and bring them uh, into the, the communication center of the, the garrison for, for a talk. And this is you walking in on Kaz <laughs> to bring him to this meeting and you just watch him s- stare down at this sigil for the better part of a minute. Are you feeling unwell, Kaz? After our conversation, I have been reflecting this this room, this chest, it brings back memories that I didn't know I had. Just flashes, nothing more. I'm fine. Let us let us divert our attention to things that matter more. We have more important things to talk about. This this battle was won today, but the war is far from over. I agree. I am glad to hear you are feeling optimal, but if you are ever in need of counsel, I would be happy to lend you a ear. As would Idis. <laughs> Idis look, looks at work. You. I'm Idis. <laughs> it's canon now. <laughs> oh no. Um, no, yeah, you can uh, watch as Kaz walks past you, and if Nikithi takes a look, you, you recognize the sigil as well uh, as House Ulavestra. Not anything you've really seen in person, just maybe 
on some documents or something at your black site lab years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you, you all read this name, Ula Vestra, and the communications between the the Des Aslanti Master at Arms, Olaraha, and this Lieutenant Sharu. They seem to be taking orders from a Sardat, which you know to be a kind of Aslanti noble, Sardat Ula Vestra. Uh, would I know maybe like to comparing the different houses, uh, you know, of Aslanti nobles? Would I know how House Ula Vestra stands amongst the others? No, I mean, I mean, you can give me a culture check if you'd like, but you don't have too, too much, uh, you know, I, I guess one-on-one interactions with them. Um, there were some like bigger ones and you don't recognize Olivestra as really a big name, I guess. Gotcha. Do you have culture? A no, it's a train. Yeah. So it's definitely something like maybe you're um, uh, kind of tangentially aware of, like if I were to ask Tyler, the player, um, who is the the prime minister of Portugal? You'd be like, oh well, uh, let me tell you that in just a few moments. Yes. <laughs> Sounds. <clears throat> but yeah, like me, I don't know that either. I'm sorry, Portugal listeners. Uh, yeah, some somehow uh, you you've seen this before this this crest, but Kaz, you too remember it uh, the, the house crest from from somewhere in your past. Uh, everyone can can gather up. Um, the party is still going outside, um, but you know it's quieting down. And uh, you, you see multiple people walking into the garrison. I bred and a few other kind of townsfolk walk inside with you, invite you into the command center, and uh, ask you to shut the doors behind you. Um, you see Garaya Lee, bandage on her head, uh, Fena Iani. And uh, Mayor Madelon produces here from his robes uh, a, a data pad and hooks it up to the garrison's holographic display. And uh, he starts and, and says, A crew of the Phoenix's respite. Captain Wynn, we wanted to thank you for everything you've done. I, I believe that you indeed have fulfilled your contract with Abadar Corps now. And as such... It is my honor to transfer over to you, as mayor of this colony, the sum total of 5,000 credits. Uh, we'll um, have people throughout the, the day unloading the, the trikes and, and get those supplies where they're needed across the town. Uh, sir, before our business is concluded here, I, I, I feel we would not have truly completed our... Uh, contract without first seeing to the uh, the whereabouts of uh, Sedona. Um, Ibretta pipes up. It's like, well, uh, well, of course, we got more pressing matters to attend to. It seems by those communications you found that there are still Aslanti forces here, including this Lieutenant Sharu. They've taken Sedona uh, most likely out to that wreck of a, an old starship. Which we now know the name of. Royal Venture. Right, right. Well, um, uh, I, mean, I mean, we got we got other problems here. Gryly kind of pops up and says, uh, "Don't forget about their ship. the The Barazad is still out in the system somewhere. If if they come back and and can't raise the garrison, I worry they might just send down another occupation force. Who, who knows how many they have? And if they see all these Aslanti dead, they might just start killing folk. There is a weapon platform on top of this garrison. Do you have control of it? Yeah, but I mean, I imagine they'd have the firepower to take out their own weapons platforms. Uh, who knows how big that ship is? 
then I might anticipate and create a means of escape should the worst happen. Madelon kind of like throws his hands up. It's like, well, well let's just, before we get to that, let's deal with this um, from the communications. It seems like they know that Sedona had this ancient ship figured out and I'm worried they might be moving whatever tech it was they were looking for, as well as her off of planet. Uh, she is, well, she has many hats here in the colony, but among them, she's an expert in ancient technologies. It, it seems in a, in a past life, she studied artifacts of Triune on a place called the Alluvion. Yes, no, we, we cannot allow her to be taken off planet. He furrows his his brow and both his mustache and his antennae kind of twitch back and forth. He says, well, oh, why we... we wanted uh, to speak with you all. You know, it, it's fairly simple. I mean, if anyone here stands a chance of rescuing her and taking out this Lieutenant Sharu, it's it's the five of you. I owe Sedona a great deal. I feel mm-hmm. honor-bound to plan a rescue mission. I bet I just kind of leans forward and nods and says, she's that kind of android, I guess. But uh, w- what we'd propose is this. While, while you all head west towards this crash site... We'll send our town north to work on your ship. We, we can disassemble parts of the garrison and help with some upgrades and make sure the, the Phoenix's respite is ready if this Barazad comes back in the meantime. That sounds fair. Uh, Patrick, how far away is, the, uh, is this ship that we're going to right now? Like everything is just um, a matter of a, a few miles. Um, okay, so like a couple days hike, something like that. Oh, no. I mean, less than that, it's, Uh, um, you know, at most probably four miles uh, or uh, or, uh, four hours to to get out there. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, you, having just come back from a a trip on the the hover trike, know that you could make that uh, even faster, less consequential if you want to try that. So we could could drive and it would be like maybe an hour's drive or something. It's a little faster. You, There's no like roads or anything. So you just kind of have to make your way around hills and trees and, and things of that nature. But yeah, it's, like, it's like an ATV. It's like a four wheeler. Yeah, kind of, kind of. I mean, makes it, I mean, maybe even a little easier because you're not actually touching the ground. Right. <laughs> you just have, you can't like let the throttle out because you'll yeah. destroy yourself like a, a speeder on the, the forest moon of Endor. Oh, <laughs> oh I have a question actually about mm-hmm. this. Um, so we've been partying and we've been uh, resting. What is our HP RP situation right now? Uh, I mean, you guys haven't taken a, a 10 minute rest since the party, uh, unless you tell me to, but if you want to gain back spells and, and HP, you guys can, can take a nap and kind of move out uh, first light. Yeah. I'd like to do that. I think mm-hmm. that's a good idea. Yes. I am in unison with you in saving Sedona, but I will tell you my first priority will be to make sure that the technology does not leave this planet. I agree, and it may be that we can find something on this crash ship to help us with the Aslanti orbiting. As you're you're talking amongst yourselves, Madelon is kind of... Um, a minority report computer, you know, like moving the um, holographic map above your guys' heads and, and positioning it so you can see Madelon's landing and a little like family circus dotted line out west. Um, 
uh, I'll give you this data pad. It is yours. It is a gift of Abadar Core. It has on it the coordinates for the Royal Venture crash site. Uh, the the signal jammers down, uh, thanks to you all. So we might be able to keep in contact, though there will be interference that far out with the the fog here on Nakondis. But um, you might still be able to get a message or two through. But with this map, you can get out there and in a few hours or so on foot or or take the trikes. Does that sound like a plan? Anything that gets us there faster would be appreciated. Abretta says, I've put an aid request to our Abadar Corps backers, told them what happened, but, you know, it takes weeks to get the message out and weeks to get a response back. Out here in the vast, we got to rely on ourselves and our neighbors. You all ready? Uh, before we head out, can I uh, try to hire some healing in town? Uh, how, how many hit points are you down? Uh, I'm down about nine. Ooh, I am too. Now to look at it. So yeah. Um. In in addition, if you want to buy some healing serums, uh, because your Madelon is so impressed with you guys, he will give you half cost uh, heals. So oh. Twenty five credit. Uh, basically, um, healing serums. <laughs> uh, Great. Uh, while you're in his presence, so he's like kind of channeling uh, his uh, his mystic ability through you all. Okay. So feel free to heal as much as you want. Buy some um, supplies uh, as well. Wait, I'm sorry. He's a mystic and he's healing us. Uh, he is offering to sell you heals. <laughs> nice try, Drew. <sighs> Alrighty, I'm feeling I'm feeling much better now. Now what'd I'm. You, what'd you roll? I rolled uh, two fives on that. So okay. so yeah, basically uh, more than you can get with a, a single healing serum. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty 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 good bargain as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he is very happy to make that transaction. Right, I shake his hand with my tiny little goblin hand. <laughs> Madelon, I'm uh, grumpy about that, but I'll I'll be okay. Yeah, Madelon, why'd you give him the bad heels? <laughs> what'd you roll? <laughs> Rolled a four oh. and a one. Yeah. Ah, oh, you, you only look half as good as I do. I, I cannot say the will of, of our god, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she must just want Kaz dead. I don't know. You, you're probably a, we're a cheapskate <laughs> in another life. So that's your, your recompense. Praise Abadar. <laughs> so we are sleeping, right? So I get my spells back. Yep, yep. You guys and can take a, a quick nap here. And, and um, yeah, you actually probably have time to cut out before um, dawn. Is this, do we, sorry, I always forget. Do we get all of our RP back? All RP, all SP, and uh, your level in HP. Great. Oh, that's not so bad then with the uh, crappy heals from... Uh, <laughs> you roll them yourself. <laughs> Better I roll them than you roll them though, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if I rolled them. <laughs> ah! <laughs> a little better, yeah. <laughs> roll the one and a seven. Nice, nice and average. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, so it's the next morning and you see crews getting your, your hover trikes ready, uh, freshly unloaded from getting the, the Phoenix's respites stuff, respites, Phoenix respites stuff. Uh, Ludvor Kresk kind of oiling <laughs> bits of the engine and you, know, you see him turning some, some nuts and bolts on top. 
uh, and you guys are ready to start your trek out to the crash site. And like every morning, you've been here on Nakondas. It is a, a fog-filled morning. It's the thickest, definitely dawn and dusk. And you begin traveling through a beautiful mix of ancient trees and several areas of, of new growth. One moment you're walking through um, or, or, or riding through these trees that seem to be less than a decade or so old. And you can see signs of disease and lightning strikes that uh, might have felled some some older ones. And then the next moment you're traveling through a, a section of the forest of behemoths nearly 20 foot around and more than likely uh, centuries old. And when <laughs> you've, you've got to have like a trike by yourself, uh, and it kind of, I imagine it looks a little clown car-ish. <laughs> with, with you. <laughs> like it's a medium sized, like steering wheel. <laughs> you yeah. just sort of hunched over it. Just a finger and thumb and 10 and two. <laughs> uh, uh, as you're, you're riding through these very uh, zenful um, locations, you kind of relax, come, you know, get to a peaceful place and uh, kind of once more step back into your past, your psychic bear brain just recreates this area around you as you're still in control of the vehicle. And uh, you're <laughs> the, I guess maybe more mammalian part of your brain is driving, but around you, you, you see this team of Xena wardens years prior in a, a very similar arboreal setting. There are lush green trees that surround you, but they don't go very far for as you look above their their tops. You see the void of space, and, and we're back at your initiation rites uh, aboard the living Ark ship called the the Seeds Promise. Before you is a, an ancient Goran, a, a plant-based race, a master. His face nearly white. There's only a few places where the hues of his once blue visage kind of peeks out. He's got these long green dread-like tendrils that kind of connect uh, his head almost to the mossy carpet beneath you. And this is one of the many teachers you've had in your life, but the Xena Warden apostate Hartin. You hear him as clearly now as he did back then, just you know, kind of perfect recall. And he says to you, Through this forest there lay many paths. None of them can I show you. Only you may discover, for they lie in the deep forest as you make your way through. Uh, but what I can tell you is this. Inside each of us is the capacity to become one with the universe, to become a defender of life, and to become a star knight of all that is green. When you stand here before us, a, a new initiate, uh, but you have espoused all that we hold dear, protect the wild spaces at any cost, value the plants above all else, and to never let those despoil what we love. Uh, as I said, I cannot show you how to find your own path, but when the time is right, you will show yourself. You may rise one day and find you are indeed that which was foretold here at this hour, a hero of our brethren across the cosmos. And you will, on that day, earn the titles of Sir Wynne of the Hexen Way, Green Guardian of the Stars, and Wild Knight of the Worlds. I will do my best to bring you honor. You've replayed that memory several times um, and shake it out of your, your head now. 
but uh, it seems like since you've been on the Condus, there is like an energy here. Um, and it's not just like the electricity and the fog, but uh, it is truly one of the greenest worlds that you've ever stepped foot on. Seems like that energy is is really uh, finding root inside your mind, your soul, whatever it may be that uh, that's driving you forward. But um, how how is how is wind taking this? We're we're moving. <laughs> you've you've started him down the the star night path. Well, since you set foot on on the planet, he has felt more centered you know from from the first time he he recalled the you know the just two paws on the ground and and feeling a little more in tune with i i suppose the the energy of of natural life you know it's the, it's this thing that he has sworn to protect and i think being in you know uh metro, metropolitan cities and in space he he feels a little more disconnected I don't want to say spiritually, but um, within himself. And so I think being on the planet, I think I think he's finding a inner strength kind of returning to him. He, uh, his his sense of purpose is becoming a little more clearer to him. Um, you know, we, we haven't really talked much about the the archetype uh, of Star Knight, but there's not really specific ability for for knights of kind of like the Xeno Warden school, at least not in the rules yet. Right. Do you do you see do you see what kind of power might manifest? Because, you know, other star knights in the rules do have like mystic qualities to them. Um is, is Wynn just gonna start talking to plants? I was gonna say I I would I would think it would be really cool if you could if he could communicate <laughs> with the plant life. Hello, Mr. Bumblebee. <laughs> oh, Mr. Well, maybe, 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 maybe not go on full on, you know, Baloo here, but um, <laughs> you can just psychically talk to them now. But it, it would be kind of cool if he not. could, maybe he could, um, even if he like, you know, tasted a blade of grass or something like he, maybe he could kind of get something from the area. Like he could com- kind of communicate with the earth or you've heard him here, folks. He's just eating grass like every uh, mile or so. He's taking a Paul Phil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he kind of kind of gets something from the nature itself. Yes. And th- there's some there's some cool stuff with with different types of star nights. Oh, we're going to be homebrewing our own <laughs> when it comes to it. If you if you keep down this. Uh, yeah, I think, that, I think that'd be really cool. Um. So, yeah, you kind of shake that memory aside and you're, you're back here and you see the, the rest of your crew um, on a, a couple other hover trikes and um, you know just kind of uh, I guess hold the, the steering wheel a little tighter and, and, and move forward. Has a little honk honk and just goes ahead. <laughs> uh, it's not long um, you know uh, less than an hour before you come across you know where the venture is supposed to be. You guys don't really see anything. You have to make a few circles around but uh if you get off and start exploring this area um you walk past it a few times before you find what looks like a just another regular kind of silent hillock um but cresting over the other side walking around and peering through the mists here you realize it's not a natural formation um but there's like a layer of earth and and plants just built up over the side of a man-made object Actually, let me show you what the... There's multiple pieces of art in the book, but... Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's very cool. 
All right, just just uh, I realize you don't get all the cool art. I've not shared every piece with you from prior books. I feel bad now, but it's all got the like iconics and stuff in it. And some of it like spoils fights, so I can't really show you that until like after the fight, and then I always forget. So mm, that's understandable. It's like here's you fighting Null Nine. It's like all right, well, yeah, great. Walking through some of the vines and other hanging plants, it kind of looks like a cave, but you notice it's just like the overhanging uh, top wing section of, of a starship. And you recognize kind of like the curvature of its hull and um, skirting just above the ground about a foot is, is another uh, ancient wing whose tip just kind of plunges into the, the dirt. Well, you guys are looking around. Why don't you give me a perception check? Wow, that's a lot of 15s. Uh, it's a couple of 10s, couple of 15s. Um, let's see who's who's the highest, who's the most perceptive. I oh, it's multiple a- 15s here. Kaz and Nakithi. As you're taking a look at the ship, I don't know if you are both trained in, in engineering, but you can see it has indeed crashed hundreds of years ago at the very least. Uh, Kaz has no engineering, so he does not know that. You just got a sense that this is a very ancient um structure it's almost been swallowed by time in the forest and nikithi you see a few destroyed exhaust ports kind of caked with dirt and and, and plants um but the vessel kind of disappears uh past that about 30 feet into the hill so if there is more of the ship it is indeed completely buried uh, but the metal you do see exposed here is corroded and, and covered in, in wear and tear, and patches of it have this thick, creeping moss you've seen all over the condis. Um, but yeah, through all that, you do see what looks like a hatch or a portal of, of some sort. Um, you can tell that uh, a path has been cut uh, clear through the, the foliage uh, recently. Uh, in addition to that, you both see... A, some upturned earth underneath this this wing on the bottom here. It looks like a pair of Aslanti boots uh, with legs sticking out from beneath the, the wing. Wait, upturned like, earth with boots sticking out of it? Uh, upturned earth and right next to it some boots. So it's kind of like uh, the wicked witch of the Okay, which, yeah, which that, this is the this is the mental image I had which yeah. makes it seem like the, the ship landed on the Aslanti. <laughs> Uh, no, these boots are are brand new. It's a it's a it's a recently uh, killed body, or someone just taking a nap. Uh, uh, are they ruby Islanti boots? Nope, just regular ones that you've seen on a, a ton of the the soldiers in Madelon's Landing. Akithi will Can, uh, about and say, and uh, would probably say we might want to consider a stealthy approach. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna suggest I want to try to creep up and peek and see if that's somebody taking a nap. <laughs> no, they're they're dead. If you're looking at this, uh, it is indeed a body. Does anybody have medicine check? Because it they're like coated in blood, dirt, and, and things like that. Maybe some cobwebs. Uh, yeah, I do. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's a 19 for Cass. Cass with the big man. Yeah, Cass. Uh, you see, it looks like dozens of maybe small uh, small cuts, like little stab wounds, but actually looks. Like they're in a couple of patterns that look almost like a, a bite, like jaws of, of some unknown beast. And it's at that point where I need, obviously, everyone to uh, get ready for some initiative rolls. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's fight something. No! 
Yes, it is indeed time. Um, as you guys, I've put you here on the map close to this wing and the, the dead body. Those of you that were trying to make some, some rolls on it to see what had killed it. And as you're, you're looking there, squirming from beneath the wing from one of these uh, little areas of upturned earth is a, a brownish uh, worm-like creature emerges from the ground here and starts whipping a, a tongue-like appendage out at you, spreading out into several branching sections. It looks just like this guy here. Pwomp. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. hey. Hey. Oh, I, no. Oh, no. You might recognize this guy from some oh. previous conversations. Oh, no. That's the one Patrick made. No, he's going to kill us with it. No. Uh, I hope you're ready for a bit of a fight. Patrick, why'd you make that worm so slimy? I uh, uh, did not draw it. It has so much goop coming off of it. Yeah, there's no way in your descriptor you weren't like, oh, by the way, like <laughs> double down on the goop factor. <laughs> Just make as- it goopy. I want, I want Gak uh, crossed with the slime that kids are playing with these days, but I want to bathe in it. But it's it's like a it's like a worm, like a, a slug-like creature. So you know, it's gotta be it's gotta be juicy. We are related. Big juicy <laughs> slug. It's your, it's your new best friend. Get out of here, Itis. I'm making one of these things. Nikita, <laughs> talk to it. You you look very similar. I do not know if I can talk to it, but I can try to identify it with the life science. Uh, yeah, well, first you're getting attacked by it, so you'll get uh, a very good idea of what it can do. Um, as you guys have not seen this thing stealthing through the, the dirt underneath your feet, very difficult perception check. And uh, so a- as it pops out, you see its tongue just hit the ground. Like it's uh, licking it, but it kind of sticks to the ground and it arcs out. The tongue just kind of shoots forward like a sticky web that covers the the, the starship and the the earth around you. And as it races along the ground, it begins to wrap around your feet and kind of shoot up your legs, crawl into your armor. And it's this guy's fun ability. <laughs> um and this affects a 15-foot cone, so we are going to get, I think... I don't know, Patrick. I'm not sure that the author really intended for this monster to work this way. I think... <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I wrote this up, and uh, I didn't know it would be in the adventure, but I love where they placed this. <laughs> um, it is like a little ambush creature. Uh, this web is going to hit Kaz... Bumfuzzle and Wim, the three that were kind of looking at this body. And as it kind of sh- um, shoots up your leg, uh, it, it kind of feels like electricity, but not really. It's just, it's like paralyzing your your legs. I need you guys. <laughs> I need you to make a, a reflex save for me. <laughs> That's my second one in a row. Oh boy! Not Miles's night. Bad uh, times. <laughs> I've got a fifteen. Oh, that's good times. Yay! Fun puzzle and kiss. Uh, a nine. Got a nine. Bet you wish you had those re rolls. Bet ya. Um, this is indeed acid damage uh, coming at you. Only four points, and Bumfuzzle, you're only taking two, uh, but you... Oh, so is it is it partial on a successful reflex save? 
Uh, it is indeed. Ooh, I take none. Oh, you level two characters. I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, that also means you don't get a, a pretty nasty condition oh, uh, thank called, goodness. called dazed. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Oh, no. So we're dazed if we didn't pass that? That is correct. Both Kaz and Win, you are I'm basically uh, paralyzed. Dazed means... Um, you can't act normally. You take no actions. Uh, you are not. Uh, there's no penalty to your AC, but it's like you're frozen in place. This thing is uh, <laughs> it's got you trapped in its its sticky web. This is this ability is called synaptic shock web. Like it very much. It's why I make this creepy uh, slug like creature. <laughs> that was its surprise round. As I said, you guys didn't see this bad mama jamma. Uh, let's go into turn one, and Kaz can't move at the top of the uh, turn order. Do we know how long this affects us? Uh, you do not, but um, as per the rulebook, days typically lasts a turn. Okay. Typically. Unless <laughs> because, it uses it over and over again, yeah. Oh, it definitely doesn't have that capability, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you cannot do anything. Um uh, so we're on to either Talara or Nakithi. Now, you guys are both kind of towards the back here and have both rolled a 15. Does one of you want to jump into the initiative or do you want to roll off? Rebecca can go. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> you agree okay with after that? After you, Nakithi. Um, uh, okay, yeah, I can go. I am really scared of this thing. I'm not sure what to do except to summon a demon. It's like the only thing I know to do. The old standby. Closer <laughs> right. tiny demon. All right. I think I'm going to start a summon. Okay. And being a backup part, it's uh, probably a good place to do that. Uh, Nikithi, on to you. Uh, Nikithi is going to, first off, have Idis move forward and attack this bad thing to test its defenses. And then while uh, Idis is attempting to make an attack, he is going to attempt to identify the creature. We'll do the attack part first. That's more fun. And, and Idis is coming up to make a bite attack. The way you make that say that, or the way you say that, no, no. <laughs> okay. Um, I just, you, you've moved her uh, right next to this creature. Um, are you you're making a range attack? <laughs> next to it <laughs> oh I, I meant to make a melee attack but then you said that thing and now I don't want it <laughs> well I just need you to make up your mind <laughs> right. uh Fleen alright melee attack go Idis believe in you girl oh I shouldn't have believed <laughs> that's uh, a miss roll the six uh definitely a miss uh this thing you're your drone is trying to get a hold of it in its uh, mouth and just slips right out. Slippery like an eel. Hence the slime. Oh, too much slime. Um, life yeah, you want to try and identify it? Am I, yes, I'm assuming it is life science. Uh, yep, yep, indeedy. All right, I am pretty good at that. Oh my gosh, it's going to be one of those days. <laughs> I rolled two sixes in a row. Uh, 14 on the life science check. No, nope. You've not not seen this thing before. You've maybe heard of, of similar style invertebrates, but uh, uh, I can tell you out of character, this is indeed something I made for Paizo called a synapse worm. I don't like it, but I respect it. It's great. It's got so many abilities. I can't wait to use them all. <laughs> uh, but first, it is Bumfuzzle's turn. Not dazed. You just kind of like backflip off the, the edge of the wing and get out of yeah. it. <laughs> uh, messy goop. 
Oh, what, what do you want to do? Um, let's see. So is this space back here behind it difficult terrain? Um, it, it's a little bit of um, vines and things kind of hanging from the top, but it, it, it will not impede your movement there. Okay, okay. Then, so I'm going to sort of run sort of up around this thing. Mm-hmm. And as I'm coming, I'm going to pull out a bunch of leaves out of my pocket. Oh, the leaf pocket. You thought I wouldn't need leaves, but I pull the leaves out and I throw them onto this sticky worm. And I stick the, <laughs> the leaves onto it and I say, that's what you get for being sticky. <laughs> the uh, um, baby hopgar pops out of that pocket and, and like throws one small leaf in, in its direction. Yeah, yeah, I pick them up, put them back in real quick, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna uh, slice at that weird tongue thing that I don't like. I don't like it. It's my favorite part of this creature. Please don't hurt it. <laughs> don't uh, worry, Patrick. I got you, man. I won't hurt it. Um, did you roll a engineering check? I, I, I didn't, but then I I forgot and I rolled the <laughs> attack and it was a natural too. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> kind of well does it does it get an attack of opportunity if you fail the engineering check uh no i just designate it before i move oh right, right and then right. yeah that it was before because i want to i want to bite someone when is also out for the count dazed this round giant bear take him with you can't do anything which means it is the synapse worms turn and don't worry i'm just gonna roll random dice there's nothing to look into here okay <laughs> and let's see it's going to guarded step back i think um it is going to send out its sticky web again uh it is an ability you can use multiple times uh based on d4 per rounds and i did roll a one on that d4 so i believe this is going to itis and bumfuzzle now uh if you can both make me a reflex save Yee! Oh, oh i rolled an eight. Oh, oh oh boy I did so. What did you roll? Roll a three. All right. More acid damage coming your guys' direction. Ooh, eight points this time. And you are indeed both days now. That is turn one. We're on to turn two. And at the top of the order, Kaz, you're back in the fight. I, I was trying to get you in the second uh, synaptic Oh, uh, I know you were. I know you were. But, uh, I was looking at every 15-foot cone in the book. <laughs> but uh, no, nothing. Uh, so is this is this worm on the wing or is it on the ground? Where it, is um, the it, is, it is indeed um, kind of squirming across the, the wing now, which is, like I said, kind of buried in the, the earth. So Ah, okay. So if I move right here, I could still attack it. Where are you moving? So you're moving right in front of it? Right in front of it. Past a, a threatened square? Yes, you can. And it will get an attack of opportunity. Bring it on. Oh, okay. It sounds like you want this now, which is now making me rethink attacking. No, it's definitely going to bite you. Oh, boy. Natural toot. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't like it. I don't like the first natural uh, or first D20 after roll to attack this thing. It's not great. <laughs> uh, so... It misses. I can guarantee you that. All right. Uh, attack time. Uh, Entropic strike. That is going to be a 12. Against EAC is a miss. <laughs> 
the game is afoot, <laughs> everyone. Uh, Talara, we're on to you, and it's that time again. It's it's that time again. Um, I've got my... Is it short stuff? Yeah, short stuff. Short stuff is coming out. Um, and it's going... Can I go right up underneath the wing on I, the other side? I knew where you were going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already put the token down because I, I knew we were getting a, a flaking buddy with Cass. Yeah, of course. Um, and he's going to make a full attack. Oh, too. boy. Let's see how this goes. You're good about these full need attacks it. with your demons. We need it. No! Oh, no. Natural one. One. Tiny demon. Oh. <sighs> what does that mean as far as crit, or crit fails go? I mean, I think we should use them. It's, it's oh. kind of going off your ability. Uh, we use it for... A crit hit. <laughs> so obviously, it's only fair, I guess. Bad things are happening with Tiny Demon. Maybe, uh, maybe it won't be that bad. Tiny Demon, you are only hope. Um, I'll, I'll give you the the option. Do you want to use our uh, fan created critical failures, or do you want to use the new deck from Pizer.com? Oh, let's switch it up and use the new deck. Yeah, these are pretty fun. They're bad stuff can happen, but there's no JJJ. I was about to ask. Did you wait for them too? <laughs> Um, this is a uh, kinetic kinetic attack your tiny demon is throwing yes. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is called um, Sprained Splugathrox. <laughs> they, they're making up words here. Uh, you are overburdened until a successful medicine check to treat deadly wounds, restore any of your hit points, or receive magical healing. So the overburden condition, I believe, gives some um, uh, minor negatives to the tiny demon. Yeah, tiny demons bringing a lot of baggage from the demon realm with him this time. Oh, now I've now I imagine him with uh, little adorable suitcases. Um, <laughs> o- overburdened, speeds reduced to five feet, um, and your maximum dex bonus to armor class is reduced to plus zero. You take it minus five on strength and dex base checks, but uh, we're not done because there is an extreme melee on this car. Oh no, this will not affect the stupid tiny demon. There's an extreme, <laughs> extreme Don't melee. Don't call my tiny demon stupid. Well, it doesn't have any weapons. The extreme melee is called fling with an exclamation point, And it, it reads your weapon flies 3d4 squares in a random direction. 3d4, oh. that could be like uh, 60 feet away. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad that it's tiny demon that got the crit fail and not Talara. Um, okay, well, that's just one right. attack, though. Yeah, this is my second attack. That's a 20. Well, it'd be an 18. Uh, that's a hit. That's a hit with uh, eight damage. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Uh, this thing doesn't like that at all. <laughs> uh, tiny next demon up. was angered. So. <laughs> uh, next up is Nikithi. Um, you're, like, tapping your mechanics uh, control orb, and, and Itis doesn't seem to be responding. Yes, he's already seen this happen to, uh, you know, win. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think all he's going to try and do is maybe lay down some herring fire. Is, uh, he has a laser pistol, and so he's just gonna shoot that and try to get the, the bad boys, the bad worms' attention, make it easier okay. to hit. Okay, get, give us a roll. Let's see how the dice... Uh, the go. dice think that it does not happen. 
Oh no. Uh, yes, nine on dice. That is a miss. Uh, next up, Bumfuzzle. Ooh, frozen in place by the synactic shock web. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not looking out on two of those. Um, but Wynn is back in the fight, Miles. Yeah, so Wynn's gonna pop up and confront the worm. <laughs> oh, crawling on top of the wing, uh, getting uh, ready for an attack. Yeah, and then I'm going to use my jump sensor. Go right ahead. Let's see. Let's see what happens. In this match. Oh, yeah. oh, we're 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 I'm, rock rollers. Yeah, I, no kidding. I'm quitting this show. <laughs> I am loving your guys' dice rolls tonight. Good night. Some baddies, not some goodies. <laughs> uh, okay. Re rolls or bonuses from the convention? <laughs> no, not a single, not a single one. Dang it. Um. All right. Let's see. Let's see what happens with this creature's ability. Oh, all right, so I can't can't use it this ability. It is going to instead double attack and let's send. Hmm, actually, the only only thing that's really hurt it so far is it's tiny tiny demon. I think it's double attack against tiny demon time. Okay, what is the tiny demon's uh, KAC, Rebecca? Twelve. At this level, a twelve. With overburdened, though, I think that drops it down just a little bit. Let's see. <laughs> well, actually, I don't believe that the conditions can technically apply to to summoned creatures. If my memory of the the rules is correct, I'm gonna say this is like a maximum of a negative two penalty, being you know like having trouble like keeping up flying. Um, with that said, I think I think the second one is going to be hit too. I've rolled an eighteen and a four. Um, so let's let's do some damage. I don't. Oh, and this first one actually it automatically grabs on to the demon and just kind of like jumps up, and you see these little nubs along its side as it bites into it, kind of latch on, um, just applying itself like a piece of tape to the demon. And let me roll some damage. So it is for the second one, um, the second attack, uh, grappled, grappled by this creature. Okay, so the first attack is eight points of damage, and the second, oh boy, is ten. So that is eighteen in total. Yeah, it's dead, dead, dead. <laughs> uh, good, 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 because I didn't want another double attack from this. You fizzles out of existence. We, I think that's my first demon kill. They're usually not here long enough. Okay, and that's its turn, uh, which brings us back to Kaz. Really, really wanted that flanking buddy, but it's okay. Thank goodness. Um, well, you, you could uh, guarded step and have win uh, flank with you. That's yeah, up to you. but I'd rather make two attacks. Oh, you're gross. Uh, first attack for an entropic strike. That is going to be a 16 to hit. Uh, that's a hit against... EAC. I will do bludgeoning damage for that for four damage. Okay. All right. Still up, obviously. Attack number two. That ain't going to do it. That's going to be a uh, six. Oh, get that out my face. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. We are uh, back to Talara. No demon to roll this turn. What, what she got? Um, does anyone have any conditions right now? Um, that last turn, I think a couple people were bolted in place by its shock web. 
but uh, you, you see them kind of snapping out of the itis and bum fuzzle. So. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let's see. I don't have a whole lot to do. I'm gonna shoot my gun at it. Okay. Just bring a laser pistol. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm gonna move up a bit so that Wynn isn't in my way. So I'll come and stand next to Nikithi. It's a wise decision. And laser pistol. That's a thirteen. Uh, you needed to to move because that is just a hit. Oh, good. Oh, good. And that does two damage. Hey. Go me. Every little bit helps, as I, as I say. Uh, Nikithi, Itis is back in your control. What do you want to do? Uh, Itis is going. Well, Nikithi is going to command Itis to help win out. So she, she's going to move around, get alongside Kaz on the uh, other side of him, flanking with Win. Yeah. So that will indeed, uh, I think, corner to corner, flank with a giant bear. Good. Uh, he's going to make a few quick adjustments to uh, her melee attack to try and negate the slime. <laughs> and then have Idis, Idis try again with a plus two bonus. Oh my gosh. Why hey. would I ever be good at this game? Who knows? Natural twos are good. If you like low numbers, they're, they're second best, basically. <laughs> um, anything that Keithy wants to do? Uh, okay, then that brings us to Bumfuzzle back, back in control of his facilities, his capabilities. All right, I'm gonna throw down a smoke bomb, <laughs> and yeah. I'm gonna move away. And um, uh, here, here comes an engineering check. To see how good my smoke bomb was. Oh God, I, I saw it wanted to be a natural twenty. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so close. <laughs> uh, so that'll be a twenty-four on that check. Success. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to shoot my laser pistol. And that is a thing that you have. Oh, that was a 20. <laughs> and then the, I saw that. The D4 hit it. No. Oh, that, that was you nonsense. Digital dice. That was baloney is what that was. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that's only a nine to Ooh, attack. Four on the dice is a miss. Uh, win. All right, so Wynn is going to look at this creature and just snarl, get him. And so uh, now I'm flanking and I have get him. I'm going to try to whack it with my junk sensor. You have massive Elkabong. Plus three, that's a 15 to hit. Oh, that's a hit. Uh, I don't know. Actually, that's plus three to that, so it's 18 to hit. But uh, for six points of damage. Already still up. It's taken like four or five hits and it's just now like thrashing about kind of like uh, brackish blue, black blood spilling. Uh, And it wants to use its web ability again because it took me forever to write this and you guys are just going to murder it in five seconds. But I think I'm just going to try to attack you guys instead. Um, I use the web ability. How dare you? We got Idis here. We've got Wynn. Wynn's done a good deal of damage. I think think an attack against Wynn. We'll see how we're doing, but maybe attack has... I definitely want to eat the bear, though. First attack. Four on the dice. No, I don't think that's a a hit. (laughs) Uh, Let's do do number two against you as well. Ten on the dice. Uh, What is your KAC? My KAC is 13. Right, so it does turn into ankle biter mode. It kind of sinks like a a row of, of... Sharp shark-like teeth into your leg. Oh, for eight points of damage, piercing if it matters. Okay, and that is turn two. We're back to Kaz. 
Kaz is going to once again go for two entropic strikes against this baddie. Strike the first. That is a 15 to hit. Plus get up. Uh, that does include get up, yes. Okay. Against EAC is a hit. Yes, for bludgeoning damage. For um, four damage. damage. Sorry, should have said that. Four, it's still up. I would love to roll a little bit better than that, Kaz. Come on, let's do this. That is going to be a 17 to hit. Yes, even better. For a whopping five bludgeoning damage. Uh, You punched this thing into worm goo. Yes! Into fish bait. Worm dust. Yeah. You come up just uh, your armor, your hands completely covered in tongue and goop and uh, gross synaptic fluid. Uh, but you're alive and out of combat. Uh, that that worm juice looks like it would be great fertilizer for the little compost pile I have going in my pocket. So I just go ahead and <laughs> <laughs> scoop up a little bit of that and put it in my pocket. In Bump two Fuzzle. episodes, Bumfuzzle pulls some worm juice out of his pocket. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, a nice slippery goo would be real helpful. Bumfuzzle has got to smell just amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, inside my environmental protections, I smell great. <laughs> um, ew, gross. Uh, coming soon, a Bumfuzzle trick attack where you're like, have some synapse worm babies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, gross. Uh, is there anything now that the thing is dead that Nikithi might be able to learn about its its body? I don't know. You you were you're pretty gross in, in dissecting uh, hobgars and stuff <laughs> earlier on the planet. You you can dig into this thing and um, later on find out a little bit more about it. It does um, it does seem to be mindless. You don't see much of a gray matter in in the creature, but um, so, yeah. So I'm just imagining uh, like. Itis is holding out like a little tray of tools for (laughs) (laughs) he is cutting off like bits and bobs uh, pulling out you know parts that he finds interesting and as he's doing it he's just kind of talking out loud to the people kind of surrounded around the body and he says we must be careful there is much about this planet we still do not understand plants animals and more importantly to be continued Oh, the Keithy to be continued. You got me. Yeah, we're we're ending it on a high point. I thought about throwing three or four of these things at you, and I was like, no, let's do it. Let's do it how the AP says, and and not uh, and not Patrick's just, many wishes. Yeah, <laughs> not just like TPK this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wrote these things. <laughs> I wrote them like a year and a half ago. So I've had like two birthdays since then where every time I blow up my candles on that cake, I'm just like, I want the synapse worm to kill a PC. would <laughs> 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 be too perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I was happy that this guy made it in here. And uh, I, I love making lower level monsters because it's usually more likely that you'll you'll see them <laughs> used or uh, maybe later on you'll find like six of these things, like a whole pack of them <laughs> coming at you. And we'll have that hour long combat. <laughs> I got to say the goo is just like skeeving me out. I, I don't like it. I don't like these things. Good job, Patrick. Good monster. Nikiving is just scooping goo into vials and <laughs> he's like, oh, for later. 
<laughs> this this seems like a uh, a Nikithi kind of project. Seems like you'd yeah. <laughs> recreate this kind of gross thing. <laughs> later, later, uh, back on the Phoenix's respite, you'll see him applying uh, some kind of gelatin to like a piece of bread. And if you ask him what it. <laughs> might not like the answer it's my pet um I, i've i've heard from fans of the podcast uh, running through um this ap that they domesticated it and turned it into a, a pet like a, a ship what? mascot what <laughs> that's so messy like can you imagine cleaning up after this thing well, we had two goblins on our show in season one so that's true and, and they smell like compost, and that's canon now. <laughs> they have brains. This doesn't even have a brain. How? That is true. What's easier to control, I guess. <laughs> like maybe. Uh, we could talk about this uh, creepy creature all night long, but we'll we'll save it for uh, uh, when we talk about this entire AP. Uh, you you guys have made it to the royal venture. Uh, what do you think uh, lies in store for you next week? Bad thing. Yeah, more bad things. <laughs> you are. Incorrect. Better things than this exist inside. Uh, this is just a. It's just the the taste test of uh, of this new map. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait, unfortunately, to to find out uh, about that next time. Until then, thank you guys for playing with me. Thank, thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, and say uh, have a uh, a synapse worm. Good night. Have, have a, a synapse worm. worm. Good night, everybody. Rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Not quite. See you next week.